welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Sorry to cut off that shofar a little soon. I know you just that just resonates with your spirit, gets your motor going this morning. Welcome to another day of morning devotion. We are here each morning, Monday through Friday, ordinarily, 7 a.m. Central U.S. time. And many of you join us at all hours of day and night. We are in 21 days of prayer. This is day 18, 18 of 21 days of prayer. And happy that you're a part of this and happy that you've you've just said this means something to me. And the people that are gathering here mean something to me. I, um, I haven't had a chance the last day or two to really engage dialogue chat-wise with you, and I apologize for that. I will make up for that today. Uh, it's just been a busy season uh, that we've been going through. But you matter. You matter to me, and that's why we get up every morning and we just say, God, you've got something for us. Your mercies are renewed every morning. The manna came down with the dew that each and every morning there is supernatural sufficiency to make it through the physical day in which we're living in, the natural day. Can I get a witness to that? Amen. Thank you. It's good to see you, Ginger and Becky and Beverly and Kathy and Joy and all of you, all of you folks that are just so consistent and being a part of this. Thank you for just saying this matters. So good Wednesday morning to each of you. Welcome to our morning devotion group. Got a special announcement at the close about tonight doing something uh, this evening, if you'd like to join with us. Um, in physics, there is a law called the conservation of energy. And I know you didn't get up this morning to your physics, but that law says energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It's a very simple statement. And upon that statement, so much technological advancement in our world. Energy can be transmitted from one form to another. Mass can become heat. Heat can become motion. Motion potential can become kinetic energy. But energy is, energy will be, it can neither be created nor destroyed. And it has a relevance to our prayer life. Because today, I want to talk to you about the one thing, a prayer cannot do. Oh, my, this is going to be good. You're going to love this. So anyway, like the page, follow the page, follow the page, share it, share it with someone and loop some other people into this community in this season that we're living in. You, you, you immediately, your, your response is going to be, oh, come on, tell me, what do you mean there's one thing prayer can't do, or at least a thing prayer can't do. I, I don't believe that. I mean, it's through prayer, Matthew 26, we avoid temptation. Matthew 5, through prayer, we overcome persecution. Through prayer, Paul said in Romans 12, we can journey through affliction. Philippians 4, oh my, prayer will conquer every worry, every doubt, anxiety, fear. It's through prayer kingdoms are subdued. Forces of evil are dispelled or held at bay. Trials become triumphs and tests become testimonies. Can I get a witness to that? Bodies are healed. We believe that lives are mended and relationships 
are restored. So many physical needs, so many physical needs right now. And uh, please leave them out to the side. And our own Brian McLean posted something from Darla McLean, his mother's pastor. Oh, yeah, we need prevailing prayer. There's so many needs in our midst. And prayer is so powerful. It can do so many things. And uh, we're binding together in prayer. And that's why we gather together to pray, to focus our attention on God and to see him answer prayers. But there is something that prayer cannot do. I have two books in front of me today, and, um, and, and one you've seen, the other I don't know if you've seen, but I, I've kept this other book in front of me each and every day that I've done this devotion for over a year. And um, this little book I hold in my hand, you can't see it. Many times I'm holding it in my hand. Um, uh, but this is the book that I always look at, and I pick it up, I read the title, Alone with Jesus, and uh, it reminds me of why I'm talking to you every morning. This is the little book, Alone with Jesus. As you can tell, it's an old, old book. I've had a digital copy of this book for a year, but just prior to beginning these morning devotions a year ago, I had a chance to get this Alone with Jesus book. It's very small. It's written by a man that few would know his name. Um, but every great awakening, as Moody said, every move of God, every revival can be traced to a kneeling figure. And this man who wrote this book was the kneeling figure behind America's third awakening. His name was Jeremiah Lanthier. This was the man when the world was at its worst. He started a prayer meeting on Fulton Street in the financial district of Manhattan in the year of 1857. And that prayer meeting began to replicate, and it spread across the nation and the world and began an awakening that lasted all the way through the Civil War into the holiness movement, into the rebirth of modern Pentecost. Wow. <laughs> Alone with Jesus. But there's something in this book that touches my heart, and I don't want to open it. It's pretty fragile, but it's an inscription. He, he wrote in the front of the book and then autographed it. And um, and that little inscription is something that I carefully and gingerly open this book and will read many, many times before I start this devotion, before I hit the inner button and everything comes to life on my computer. I want to read to you what it says, this little inscription from Jeremiah Lamphere, who began the Third Awakening. He wrote in this book, in the corner, prayer, what is it? I know what it is. It's the Spirit speaking in me. And when God hears my prayer, he hears his own language in me, praying always. And then he signed it, J.C. Lamphere, New York, seven, September 1872. Lamphere says that the Holy Spirit's voice is what a prayer is. That through you and me, the Spirit of God is praying. And there's one thing we know about the Spirit of God. It is the eternal Spirit. Before Genesis, he was. After Revelation, he still will be. And so that says something about our prayers. It describes the one thing that prayers cannot do. Our prayers cannot die. They cannot die. 
Energy can neither be created nor destroyed, and the energy to pray is not self-generated. It is the Spirit of God flowing through us. It is the power. It is the force. It is the prime mover of the universe, the cosmos, calling us, stirring us, drawing us into the heavenlies, so that when you and I speak, when you and I speak in prayer, that prayer cannot die. Do you know that right now, if the microphone could be created sensitive enough, you could capture the voice of every person that has ever spoken, reverberations and echoes and sounds from days gone by, because energy can neither be created nor destroyed. When you and I pray, those prayers live on. They carry on because they were born of the Spirit and born, B-O-R-N-E, by the Spirit. I like what Ian Bounds said about prayer. He said, prayers outlive the lives of those who uttered them. They outlive a generation, outlive an age, outlive the world. The one thing prayer cannot do, it cannot die. It lives on. Oh, my. Do you hear me? Do you hear what I'm saying? Our prayers are going to outlive us. They will outlive the dates that are inscribed on a mausoleum or a cemetery marker. The world may call it trite, and it really angers the world. They will curse and mock people when we say this, these words. The vile words that go against the grain of worldly people when we say, our thoughts and our prayers are with you. It infuriates them. They don't want prayer. They say they want action. They want to see something. They want somebody to do something. But don't you understand that our prayers are action? You are never more mobile than when you're stationary and on your knees. You never, you can travel the world and travel eternity on your knees. The greatest thing you and I can do for someone is to pray for them. Because there's one thing prayer cannot do. It cannot die. We may pass from the scene, but our prayers live on. For when we pray, spiritual energy is flowing through us. The voice and the power that created this world is flowing through our lives and our voice. This isn't self-generated. We didn't drum it up. It comes from God, an energy that cannot be destroyed. We may die. Prayers will not die. I have a second book in front of me, and it's the book we've been talking about for the last few weeks. It's the book on prayer. But when you open up the book on prayer, you're going to notice that it's dedicated to my wife's, uh, mine and my wife's maternal grandmothers, Audrey Simmons, my grandmother, uh, Woody Thompson, my wife's grandmother. These were praying women. And yesterday at Brother Robert Frizzell's funeral, my wife's cousin, Gerald Morris, pastors in Livingston, He's related to Woody Thompson, uh, who this book is dedicated to, along with my grandmother, Audrey Simpson. But he brought me something yesterday uh, that, that's related to my grandmother, Audrey Simmons. You see, Gerald Morris pastored my grandmother in the latter years of her life, and he was given, he was given our family's most prized possession. May have little value to others, but it does have value. It had value to Brother Morris and to those who understood its significance. You see, when my grandmother prayed, she always followed the same pattern. She'd read her Bible. She'd read from her devotion book, and then she'd set out to praying. 
maybe not one, just one time, but many times a day. I wrote in the book on prayer that I can see her hands traumatized by arthritis. She would lift them in prayer, and I could hear her still small voice ringing still in my mind. Her prayers are still alive in my memory. I can hear her crying out to God. It was his sister Rose's funeral last month. Brother Morris told me he had something he wanted me to have, and yesterday he gave it to me. And he and Brenda and I were talking. It was my grandmother's prayer list, the most prized possession in our family. You see, she had a prayer list. When my grandmother said she was going to pray for you, she meant it. And she prayed until something happened, and then you may or may not be removed from her prayer list. Normally, she would write it on a piece of cardboard in her shaky script. In latter years, one of my aunts typed the prayer list for her on a piece of cardboard uh, that had been cut. It's irregular shape, front and back, dozens and dozens of names. I read through the hundreds of people referenced yesterday, each and every day, and sometimes many times through the day, she would pray. I sat at my desk at the church after the funeral and just wept. As Brother Morris had placed a treasure in my hand, why is it so precious? Hear, hear me carefully, morning devotion group, because it's who and what we love that's revealed in our prayers. And death cannot kill love. Love abides. Love never fails. And if our prayers are rooted in love and they are the priorities of our lives and we're praying for people who matter in our life and things that matter most, then our prayers will never die. It's the one thing a prayer cannot do. A prayer cannot die. You you say, well, what if hell comes against it? If hell comes against it, it's still going to battle its way into heaven. In 2 Chronicles 30, I love this verse. Uh, The priests and the Levites stood to bless the people. And listen to this. And God heard them for their prayer reached heaven, his holy dwelling place. When you and I lift up our prayer, it will take wing and fight its way into the heavenly. When I send a text, I want to know it's been delivered. When I overnight a package, I'm going to follow the tracking number to make sure it arrived, put a stamp on an envelope. We hope it reaches its addressee. Our prayers are going to take wing and our prayers take flight and our prayers soar into the heavenlies. How powerful is that, folks? How powerful, Yolanda and Tim and Glenn and Don and Sheila, how powerful it is to know that our prayers are going to reach the heaven. When I held my grandmother's prayer list, she's been gone since 1993, but I started looking through all the list of names and and I began to realize, yes, God moved there. And oh, I remember God touched them. And I, I, I remember, oh, they died in the faith. And yes, that one, this, you know what? It just convinced me again. There's one thing a prayer cannot do. It cannot die. It lives. It lives on because it's taken flight into the heavenlies. In Revelation 8, it says that when our prayers like aroma, like a sweet smelling incense before God, that fragrance that goes up before the throne of grace in Revelation 8, those prayers are compared to the incense that are placed in gigantic golden bowls, the spiritual energy born of 
above and born by the Spirit, rest in golden bowls in heaven. I love this with all the prayers of all the saints, millions and billions of prayers commingled with fire before the throne of God. Prayers that have moved the heart of God, prayers that have changed lives, uh, prayers that are still alive, still on fire, red hot on fire, just as they were the very day they were prayed. Uh, I'm telling you the prayers of a praying mother, the prayers of someone who loves, the prayers of a grandmother, the prayers of a grandfather, the prayers of a brother or sister, your prayers, my prayers. Uh, There's one thing they cannot do. They cannot not lie. I told a story. In fact, I tell a story and, you know, I actually had to trace this story down because it sounds, it sounds so impossible. It sounds so unfeasible. It sounds just, just beyond belief. We use the word incredible, meaning that it cannot be believed, but this is one of those incredible stories that are truly Incredible. I traced it down. It's, it's one of the most remarkable stories I think I've ever heard about the power of prayer. It was in the year of 1820, Peter Richley was on board a ship that sank. Thank God he was rescued. Amen. Amen. He was in the shipping lanes. The second ship, the ship that rescued him, sank. But he was rescued by a third ship. But the third ship sank. You say, this is crazy. But he was rescued by a fourth ship. But the fourth ship sank. He was rescued again. And the fifth ship sank. You know what? He richly, richly became convinced that somehow in this ordeal of boarding a ship, the ship sinking, floating in the deep, being rescued by another ship, uh, that he started realizing something is going on here. It just seems that something is happening. This is beyond belief. Uh, After the fifth ship sank, he started looking for the next ship to save him. You know, when you, you, (laughs) he just said, there's going to be another ship come along. And incredibly, a ship called the City of Leeds, a British ship that hailed from Leeds was en route to Australia. It spotted the man overboard and pulled him aboard. And barely had he been dried off than the ship's doctor came to Peter Richley in the year of 1820 with an unusual request. He said, there's a lady on board who booked passage to Australia. She's looking for her lost son who disappeared 10 years ago. She's dying. She wants to see her son. She knows everybody on the ship. You're the only newcomer. And the price for us rescuing you is you've got to go down there below decks and pretend to be that dying woman's son. Richley agreed after all his life had been saved for the fifth time. It was the least he could do. He went down below and saw a silver-haired lady suffering from a high fever, calling out, asking God, let me see my son before I die. I've got to see my son. I must see my son. And the ship's doctor pushed the pretender forward. But soon Peter Benchley, Peter Richley began to weep uncontrollably for lying on her deathbed was the reason he just could not seem to die. The reason that he was rescued from first, second, third, fourth, and fifth shipwreck 
lying on that bed was none other than Sarah Richley, who had been praying for 10 years that she be reconciled to her son. The ship's doctor stood in amazement as Peter richly embraced his mother and said, I'm here, Mom. It's me. Within days, his mother had revived and found her son seated on the edge of her bed. Don't you ever underestimate the lasting power of a prayer. Because in heaven, our prayers cannot die and their effects on this earth cannot be stopped. Because I read golden bowls of prayers will be poured on this earth and this earth will be shaken. The same one David said of God, you keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in a bottle. You've recorded everything I've sighed and cried in a book. Uh, John the Revelator said, I see at the end of all time, uh, I see the prayers of all of the saints poured out into the atmospheric heavens and the earth, uh, and the resulting power is beyond imagination. Uh, I'm telling you, battles, bottles and books and bowls, that's where your prayers reside, because there's one thing that a prayer cannot do, it cannot die, it cannot uh, Die. When you and I pray, we're doing more than going through forms and rituals and following customs and appeasing our consciences. We're unleashing the power of God that cannot die. Oh, praise God. Oh, praise God. Praise God. I just felt impressed last Wednesday, and I feel impressed to do it again. I'm just going to do a prayer call again right here on Facebook Live at 645. We're just going to get together and pray. Nothing profound. We're just going to pray. So begin, begin. I'll post something on the Facebook Live later today, and then just start throwing prayer requests on there. We're going to pray, and then join us. We pray, we pray, we pray, we pray. What a simple statement. Some fuss, some fight, some few. We pray. Others strategize, others connive, others scheme, but we pray. Some talk, 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 but we pray because our prayers, there's one thing that our prayer cannot do. It cannot die. Praise God. See you tonight at 645. Would you share this with others? Loop others into this great devotion crowd. Thank you for being a part. You add so much value to this. But as we exit this devotion, you've got a few moments. Leave your prayer requests out to the side. Leave your comments. uh, And let's see God do some amazing things. Look forward to seeing you this evening, 645. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.